if we if we tear that in the fire service and grab upon that and we start building taking any discipline you're teaching it can be auto extrication it can be post stretching whatever it is if we start building chainable techniques and we start from the very basics and always build upon it and chain the next series and chain the next series we become a highly proficient highly adaptable rethinking fire Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 148. My guest this evening is Todd Shepard. He is the founder of Forge Fire and Company, a firm that specializes in building innovative fire training buildings and props, as well as hands-on fire training uh, he is the designer, uh, the designer slash fabricator, the lead instructor, the innovator, the the inventor uh, for many of Forge Fire and Company's training classes. He specializes in uh, general truck, rescue company ops, forcible entry, search. Uh, one that really interests me is first responder self-defense. He has recently retired. Uh, Todd served as a career firefighter for a suburban central Ohio city for nearly two decades. He's got the certs. He's a member of USAR. Most importantly... He is passionate about the fire service. Welcome, my brother Todd Shepard, to Weekly Scrap number 148. What's up, fellas? Appreciate y'all having us. Very, uh, very. Go ahead. I, I'm humbled, man. Seriously humbled to be on here. I don't know if I stack up against uh, uh, guests on here, but I'll give it a go. I'm looking forward to the conversation, my man. And people are logging in. I will catch you up. Fluger, the man, Kevin Fluger said, I can't, I can't even read it properly because there's so many A's, G's, and U's, but it's gum and it's really long. gum. Robert Queen said, good evening, my brother's been looking forward to this day all day long. Get it, brothers. Brandon Wilson said, let's go. Robert James says, Todd is the man. Mm. Love from the boys at Capital Fire Training. Gus Salcedo said, sick hat bro. <laughs> That's Clay right. McGee. <laughs> Clay McGee said, I met Todd for the first time back at North Florida Fire Expo. Todd is one of those guys that you meet and you know you like him right away. <laughs> I'm a sleeper, Manny, I guess. Manny the Barbarian said, get that bread. There's a lot of hype. David Pruitt, Chief Pruitt said, got my cigar lit and one with your name on it. Absolutely I need to have mine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's tons. Time. Let's go. Okay, I can't even catch up on everything that everybody's saying. So, all that being said, Get my notes back up here as I catch you up. Is there anything I missed in the intro? Anything you would like to add that I did not include? No, not at all. Perfect. Uh, audience, please get your questions primed and ready for Todd and myself. Uh, Kyle, as always, is in here. He is cur- curating the the Facebook chat, looking for the best questions so that we can discuss them, so that we don't miss them. And he'll be throwing them up here on my laptop when I when I, when you see me. Sneaking over to the side. That's me talking to Kyle on the side. Uh, he is the de facto reason why the scrap is so successful. Um, I, I want to say right out the gate, the vigilantes. It is those who support the scrap. Uh, it is a private Facebook group that if you want to be a part of, go to firehousevigilance.com, sign up and join to be a part of the vigilantes. We're having a lot of fun there. We're reading a book together for the month of July. There's a uh, forum that we all get together. We're going to talk about electric vehicle fires, things like that. Uh, and basically the vigilantes get to decide what direction it goes. So if you want to be a part of that, sign up, go to firehousevigilance.com and be a part of it. Uh, other than that, that's all of the bookkeeping out the gate. 
So let's get right into the questions for Todd. And I love, I always send out, you know, hey, what would you like to talk about? What's your wheelhouse, et cetera. And I love this one that you sent me right out the gate. Number one was training like a professional. And you put in quotation marks, fighter. Training like a professional fighter because we are professional firefighters. So what does that mean to you? And go. Um, that's correct, man. I, I've kind of lived that motto my whole career. I think um, as professionals, we have to take training a little bit more serious. I think there's a grassroots end here with will fall on your page. And you can't throw a rock and find top-notch training in virtually any city near you, right? So um, get out there, get outside your bubble, but train like a fighter because the word fighters in firefighter is kind of my motto. Um, I live, eat, and breathe martial arts. I've uh, been doing martial arts off and on for well over 20 years. Um, I've, I credit a lot of success in my career, firefighter, to martial arts. Um, but taking that in the concept, uh, martial arts breaks down how to train. You guys, you watch these guys on UFC, you, guys, you watch guys in professional boxing at the highest level. If we hold our standards to the highest level, which we should, right, we need to train to potential, not train for every day. Train to potential, break that down systematically, and train like a professional fighter because we are professional fighters. Fire. Breaking that down into basic aspects of training, not overcomplicating it, start with the basics every time you train. Every, every professional world-class fighter, every world-class athlete, it doesn't matter if you follow football, fighting, baseball, any kind of martial arts, they're starting out with the very basics building upon that. No, I love it. I love it. And so now you, you say you focus on truck ops. What does that look like if you're teaching, let's say, forcible entry? Where do you start? You, you go ahead. If you understand where I'm heading. Forcible entry, for instance, how I relate that to martial arts, um, I started with boxing. Many years ago, I walked into uh, Buster Douglas Gym, the naive 18-year-old, and I said, I want to be a professional boxer. After me. They said, okay, we're going to put this kid through his paces, right? So they ran me, and they ran me, and they ran me until I wouldn't quit. I never quit. Then they said, okay. Uh, footwork. I did footwork for about a damn month of just stance and footwork. And that's the building box boxing. You have to learn how to use your stance and your, your movement and boxing before you learn how to punch. So how I equate that into forceful entry. And it's every time I teach a forceful entry class, I teach basic levered points and the anatomy of the Halligan. Hmm. Never know who you're teaching. Uh, you grab from the middle of a, of, of a discipline or content, you might miss out the key details, keep everybody on a baseline. So bringing them all to a baseline, the footwork in boxing or forceful entry is the fundamental leverages and the uses of how and why of Alligator, right? When we talk about basic forceful entry. And then the ads roll leverage, uh, you're rolling the ads, pushing or pulling the ads, setting the forks, all those leverage points are built. You take those and equate those to teaching people the basic leverage points, then you build up the technique. They can't learn the techniques if they don't know the leverage points of why. You 
can show right. them the how all day long. If you just show them the how, but not the why, and you don't build upon those very basic elements every time, you're going to miss people, and you're not going to keep everybody on a baseline systematically. And then what's going to happen is you get that whole epidemic fire service where you get a one trick pony. This guy, well, let me, you know, the old guy's telling the young guy, let me show you this trick I learned. But he doesn't really know Force Wintry. He knows a couple moves. He becomes one dimensional because he was shown a move. He doesn't really understand it because he was never taught the basics and built upon the basics. He was shoved right in the middle. Here's a halogen bar, and this is how you pry it, drive it, and set it. But really building upon those key minute details and, and, and efficiencies in the basic level becomes more advanced when you know it detail and you take them off the table whenever things do become chaotic or it does yeah. yeah it keeps it keeps everybody in line it keeps everybody on a baseline and it builds from there dude i love it now i want to i want to dig in a little bit on on martial arts because you say you you studied you, you, you mentioned boxing i know you're jujitsu uh give me a brief overview of kind of what you've dabbled in uh martial arts wise as we as so we can reference it you know just yeah. a little little background I started in boxing. I did that. Um, like I said, I went into the gym saying I'm going to be a professional uh, fighter. Um, went through the whole paces of that for about two years. Fought for that um, that fight team, which is a pretty renowned uh, fight team. Uh, did many fights, on gloves and all that. And uh, then I decided, hey, kid young. I was 18 at the same time. But I'm like, man. Being an entry-level professional fighter isn't what it's cracked up to be once I jumped into it. So I quickly realized I needed to do a And uh, that's when I started focusing my sights on being a firefighter. I needed something stable. I need something exciting. I don't want to do it every day, right? Right. Um, I started really looking at being a firefighter, but I went from boxing, joined the fire academy, put everything on hold the fire academy went through that when i got out of the fire academy started looking at doing went back to looking at boxing didn't find any boxing gym so hey i saw this ufc thing uh i'll go check out this gracie jiu-jitsu gym thought i was a great fighter i'm like one i was like 170 pounds could bench press like 315 i'm pretty strong so i walk in this gym thinking i'm i, I know how to fight and i get choked out like over and over and tapped out and tapped out and I, I just instantly was like I got so that branched into Brazilian Jitsu then I got on their fight team started doing Muay Thai eventually MMA that's kind of a, a nutshell quick story um, did a little bit of judo wrestling okay. in my MMA background but uh fought a lot of kickboxing, a lot of boxing, a lot of kickboxing, a lot of jujitsu matches, and a little bit of MMA. Nice. Okay. Because there was a question already coming at you, and that's the reason I wanted to kind of give the background, is because Robert Queen asked, Todd, I know you are into jujitsu. How do you feel that the moves from jujitsu help us when it comes to making grabs? And I know... You know, you made a video that's uh, one of my favorite videos that you've made so far, but the uh, Kimura, the Kimura Dirty Grab, man, I loved it. Yeah. North South Kimura is one of my go-tos, but uh, hit me with uh, how you've translated it or applied it. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I'm a, I'm a Kimura junkie, and, and, you know, it's called a Kimura, it's called a figure four, 
uh, arm lock. It's called a lot of things in wrestling and jiu-jitsu. But uh, at the end of the day, you can hit that move from virtually any position in jiu-jitsu. So what I related to once I started doing a lot of fire training and going to classes and, and uh, victim removal, I was I was in a jiu-jitsu class years ago, and we were going over self-defense. And I had a – his name, I wish I could remember it. It was a guy from Texas, and he showed us some stuff that was like – and it was like, hey, you know, jiu-jitsu is the gentle art, but keep this in mind. If you can't tap a person with a Kimura, you can just stand up and drag them against the wall and beat the shit out, right? So I, it dawned on me right then. So I can't really take wholeheartedly credit for it, but, you know, um, watching this guy drag a guy to the to the corner of the cage and, and be able to go knee on belly or mount and then get a better position, I'm like, it dawned on me. Well, I could drag somebody like that in a fire, right? And we had a fire recent to that timing where we had a, a heavy hoarding situation. Some good friends of mine on, on my crew uh, went in, uh, put the fire out, found a victim, unclothed, wet, heavy, heavy hoarding conditions, the worst hoarding conditions I've ever seen. And two studs, Chad and Jeff, I've, I've had the privilege of working my career with uh, that I look up to. Um, a, they admittedly struggled with what we, we had been taught previous victim removal with webbing. Right. Right. They, 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 they enforced some webbing and didn't work as well as they thought. And, of course, the situation's going to compound that. So we, I went to the drawing board. We went to the drawing board and started to come up with different avenues of how to get people out on the same timeline. All these dirty drags started coming out the past years. So I've, I've kind of employed that in my teaching with the victim removal was just um, thinking outside the box um, thinking about what kind of conditions you're working in. We're not always working in a, a uh, pristine open, you know, fire train building. Right. You know? So, we have to think past that. We have to think about dragging people different ways. Oh, that's a nice, why smooth bay floor. Exactly. Right. Exactly. With Without carpet, without shit in your way, without heavy furniture, you know, you've got small houses. You've got people that pack furniture, and you got will have multiple kids with lots of toys, carpet, everything. And then you've got the, the, the hoarding situations. So, I mean, in my opinion, a, a, a small house with high contents, even though they're not reporting, is a hard situation for us. Right? Right. Find you into a tight area. If you don't have the ability to crawl all the way around this person or, or maneuver this person the right angle to do, say, a cross ankle drag, you're left with dragging them how you're presented right, when you find them. In a, in a tight finding area, if you're, if you're presented with a head first, presentation with their head to you and you have nowhere else to go great it's a great avenue to to use that kimura drag quick and it's just down and dirty i mean it works very well nice all right basics and fundamentals lead to better movements and advanced topics that comes from michael assume uh shane bentley said basics are bougie go randy you have to tell the story <laughs> on randy but uh solid dude from jared van eck that's a solid dude saying solid dude uh, mm-hmm. 
The experienced needs to hear the basics just as much as the new guy. It's easier to forget than to learn the first time. That comes from Tony Nunez. Uh, that's the issue with training today. People are more worried about showing how to do things versus teaching someone why we do things. And that comes from Ethan, Ethan Lassiter. Sorry, that's a great comment. Yeah, very great comment. Beautiful. Man. I was going to say, loyalty is spelled shepherd. S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. So there you go. It comes from Shane Bentley. Yeah. My brother. Uh, no, and a no, lot no. of guys, a lot of great guys chiming in, man, from the beginning. I, I can't say hey to everybody, but what's up, fellas? Um, you know, take further note on what they just said about basics. It's if you, if you equate that to kind of how we started this conversation with world champions of any sport or fighting, not a fan of him, but you can't, you can't really, uh, you know, exclude his accomplishment, Floyd Mayweather Jr boxing right right or any other world champion fighter that's held the title that long and whether it's mma every time they walk in the gym every single workout they start out with footwork they start out with shadow boxing they start out with basics of any technique to work that's what we need to do as firefighters we need to break down break down the minute details of basic fundamentals Whatever discipline we're training in, it doesn't matter if it's forceful entry, search, you know, ventilation, uh, stretching hose, and we need to understand why weight compound the, the how. If we don't understand the why when we're doing the how, we're just we're not free thinking. And we can't pivot. We can't pivot. If there's a problem or if there's a a situation that we can't account for every situation. Not every situation is the same. So we have, we limit our ability to free think and pivot if we cannot understand. No, I love it, dude. I absolutely, uh, that really melts down, uh, so much when it comes to hands-on training and how we approach it. Uh, Mitchell Hooner, he wants to know, man, I'm an hour late. Todd, what's your favorite hammer? (laughs) <laughs> he knows that I got this, uh, this ongoing sponsorship with, uh, with fire mall that states I have to, to say fire mall when I'm drinking bourbon on a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> Mahler, of course, the Mahler, what is your bourbon of choice? This actually came from when someone asked me this earlier, I don't know where it's at. My bourbon of choice is right here tonight. It is wild Turkey rare breed. There you go. That is my jam right now. So I'm the the rare breed bird. Rare breed wild turkey. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, someone said he's a bad axe guy. I'm not sure how I feel about that. That's fighting words right there, man. Realistic training dynamics. Another topic you sent me that I'm really excited about. So talk to me about realistic training dynamics and what it means to you. Realistic training dynamics means... As a training, as a as a fire instructor, a training instructor, a training coordinator, and, and a, you know a, a division of fire department, we have to do a better job equating the mission, the task at hand, the discipline we're teaching. We have to break down those fundamentals, and we have to understand how we're going to translate that dynamically with pivots with basics, with advanced stuff, building off the basics to advance with pivots, not being one-dimensional to generalize and get to the mission that accomplish the mission. 
And that in itself is hard to do. So what that breaks down to is being honest with yourself. If you, if you employ me, Todd Shepard to come say, Hey, you call me up and you say, Hey, I, I want you to teach me, you know, those, uh, those, and engine up. I I gotta know that's not my house, right? Obviously, I've done it. Obviously, I'm a career firefighter professional, but that's not my niche in teaching. I'm gonna rely and pull upon somebody else much better. So, as a training coordinator, a training instructor, a firefighter, a fire instructor, even a lead man showing their their crew when they're working, they have to understand their limits, right? and pull from the best. We all, every single one of us work with stuff, right? At our departments, we have to learn to pick from those strengths and, and bring that into a team effort, structure it. This is where it comes into play. Training dynamics comes with structure. How do we accomplish the mission with pivot? Not, you cannot do any live fire, real fire, roll up on scene and it's going to go exactly as you planned. Right. It never happened. Right. So the training with dynamics of having realism, we need to train realistically. We need to, you know, bring in furniture and clothes and trash and contents and live people to some extent under safety with NFPA into live fire training. We need to understand the tasks and disciplines. We need to break each discipline down to accomplish that mission. And then we need to throw in some pivots. We need to throw in different scenarios where we change up and get that free thinking going and understand that we're teaching why without and build upon those basics. Once you build upon those basics, create that dynamic atmosphere with realism and not sterile environment nothing in them we grow immensely as firefighters i love that if we keep training if we keep training with sterile environments and we accomplish our tasks every single damn time i'm not i'm not saying that there's not a purpose in reps right i'm not equating purpose reps we should do too but we have to be able to Throw some pivots, throw some structure in there where we get this free thinking, we get this realism to go, okay, you know, drag this person out and find the closest out. Don't drag them all the way through the building, right? You know, find the closest avenue to get that person out with the best drag, you know, or equate that to how much air have I used? How much energy have I used? Right. Did I find them by myself? Right. Depending on uh, staffing and, and, and learn to pivot and say, I found them. You radio that I have a victim. I'm not Superman. I am low on air. I need, I need more companies to come in. I'm at, I'm going to get them to the window if I can and, and, and not try to do everything. Those are situations where we really grow as because our, we, we, we need to take into account our, what we're least good at, opinion. We're all very good at different different niches, right? right? But we're only as good as our weaknesses. So if we always train on the basics of what we're good at and build on some weaknesses, we're going to grow that much. But we're, at the end of the day, we're only as good as our weaknesses. 
No, I like it. I like the mantra of the basics too, man, because it's repeated throughout. Uh, and and when you say pivot, just for everybody listening, when you say pivot, you're ta- you're talking curveballs, something that makes you have to reevaluate where you're at in the current scenario and and make an adjustment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and in the in the the fighting world, and you can fight, and you know how to throw a punch. I know how to throw a punch. You know how to do it too, and, and work submissions. And I do. If we just go head to head like this. It's rock'em sock robot. So it, the equation is a pivot is a alternate move to create a, a dynamic angle to go a different direction. Go go with the least resistance if if you can see that or think ahead with pre planning planning. So that pivot means a lot when you come to this and you can't get anywhere. Both firemen. What happens, we all know this, we're, we're stubborn, we're alpha males. <laughs> 99% of this this career is. So what happens, we, we hit a roadblock, we do this, and we want to go through this, right? right. And we typically get, we don't have the ability to pivot, and then we're like, oh, stronger, I'm going to go harder, instead of pivoting, go the least direction. And what that ends up usually happening is frustration. When we get frustrated, we stop thinking clearly. Nice. nice, Dude, that's beautiful, man. Uh, I got to read this. This comes from Justin Fraze, my man, down in Texas. He said, sterile environments plus low stress plus zero realism equals unadaptable firefighters, which I think is just a beautiful quote based on what you just said, man. There you go, Justin. Good one. Jordan Thomas said, had the pleasure of meeting Todd at Prioritize the Search last year. Makes forcible entry look easy. Technique, tool, or just because he is massive? I don't know. What what's your what's your call on that one? Yes. Um, I I've spent a lot of time doing forcible entry to the point where I'm honestly kind of sick of teaching forcible entry. <laughs> I can eat, sleep, and breathe it, and uh, it, it's always fun to branch out. When uh, you know, Sean Duffy asked me to teach some cert stuff with him and branch out, I was like, hell yes, I'm tired of teaching entry, but. Yeah, forcible entry is something I'm very well known for. I, um, I, I, I feel like I do a very good job of trying to break down um, only because I've been a student of the game and I'm constantly learning and try to break it down to teach the very best. What I teach when I teach anything, whether it's forcible entry, is I try to teach it again from that baseline and I try to not treat people like they don't know anything, but build that baseline to build them back up through. We can sure. teach the how all day long, but teaching that why is the missing factor a lot of times. And, you know, I've, I've, I've supported Kessinger and Citizens First for a couple of years since he started and great guy and great organization, great grassroots following, um, growing immensely. His classes are awesome. I'm always loving to be there and anything but no you sparked something uh kessinger for the citizens first fire training they're doing a raffle right now so i'm spitting this out there because he yeah. made me remind it go to his page citizens first fire training look at the raffle there i do not know the story i did not take notes so i'm not going to even try and attempt but there's a raffle there uh for a very good cause lots of good swag everybody on here if you cannot go and join in the raffle go and share and get the yeah. word out about the raffle. Citizens Absolutely. First Fire Training, go and do it. 
And uh, I meant to do that at the beginning, and I forgot until you said Chris Kessinger. So I yeah. had, to, had to throw it in there. Uh, yeah, that, I, I don't, I can't say the exact details uh, greatly. To go on the go on that page, his page, and 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 check it out. But there's there's eight groups of prizes. It's great, uh, a great support on firefighter and his family. So check it out. That's that's what we're all about if you can't if you if you're not gonna be part of the raffle share it so other people can hear about it so uh that's what i want to say there uh von brown wants to know todd masked up or no mask when forcing doors what do you teach i'm no mask guy i i am i i don't like getting off the rig uh wholeheartedly every time or masked up i'm i'm a fan of the mat the, the fast mask up drills i'm a fan of seeing your environment taking in some details uh mainly I've spent a lot of time on a, on, on a rescue and then a ladder company. Uh, so looking above you, around you, taking in all those equations, doing your size up, um, I feel is better served without a mask. They can go both directions, I'm sure. But when I want to force a door, I, I want to I wanna have my mask off. And the efficiency of that task, remember, that task is my task right now. The task of getting in and finding somebody or putting the fire out or whatever your task is of search or hose, you know, hose search or hose uh, advancement and, and hose, you know, fire extinguishment. Those are all tasks after you've. So you have to be focused at the task. In my opinion, 100% focus is not very mad. People might disagree with me on that, but my focus is that task at hand is forcing that door. Do that right. I save a lot of time and efficiency doing it in a few seconds. And again, if I'm good at masking up, which I am, and there's a whole grassroots, love the videos of people masking up hell and under, I don't know what the fastest now, but under 10 seconds or, or faster, it's crazy. But oh, it is, man. That, 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 there's no, in my opinion, there's no excuse rather than wearing a mask and it fogging up because maybe you did some other tasks before you got to that door. And your your mask is fogging up, wetting, whatever the case is, or you can't see a hundred percent. I don't think there's enough focus in forcing that door, and or not every door. Of course, ninety five percent of the time, our average doors easy when we talk about most doors, and especially most residential doors, right? But train to potential. What if it's that one door where people are reported trapped? Uh, kids reported trapped, and it's that door that has a drop bar or you know inward opening drop bar, something auxiliary lock that's going to throw you a curveball. And now you have your mask on. You're working longer than you expected. Now you got to take that mask off. Focus on if if you're running. No, I like it. I like it. A lot of people will debate you on it, but uh, and you said it. There's there's arguments for both. Uh, I wanted to throw this one at you, which comes from Seth Blackwell. He wants to know what's the best size Halligan for forcible entry. Thirty inches all day long, uh, for the most part. Thirty inches is your standard, um, kind of all around, all, all inclusive, going to get you the most bang for your buck. Of course, there's other Halligans on the market that are longer and shorter. Um, Mitch Huner, the Fire Mall, makes a, a slightly shorter Halligan that finds a narrower. Uh, adds and gets you more leverage so it's all in the package you're using that works very well itself too uh, but generally speaking 
whether you're using that fire mall allegan or 30 in my my preference is one of those two uh you can't go wrong i'm not a fan of 36 inch out my feeling is you know 36 inch allegans are are cumbersome we we have a more tenant we have a tenant use and carry that tool and not drop it or move on to another tool uh if if it's not um, in in most residential doors not most, but some residential doors, especially interior or are narrower than 36 inch. So you think, okay, I've got a 36 inch child again. I'm going to do a lot of, I, I can do a lot of damage with this leverage. Right? There's a lot more leverage in a 30 child again, but you're not going to be able to use that full advantage of that leverage if you run into those narrower style doors uh, again. And plus the equation carrying that heavy long tool. So efficiency wise, I think 30 is your go to. Indoor branch into your no. I call your three tools. These are the ants tools that we're kind of going to fire with midgets. How there's a couple of them. very good ants. You can't you can go wrong. Starting to lose your audio. I don't like it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? I hear you good right now. Okay. Just at the tail end of that one, I kind of lost a little bit of the word. So we'll try and keep moving forward. Um, all right, pulling up my notes here. Utilizing uh, structuring training disciplines, structuring training disciplines, and how's that di- how's that build off what we just talked about, basically? Because it's kind of a segue. Yeah, uh, structuring training disciplines. You know, as as fire training coordinators, as fire training, you know, officers in a in a fire department, or us fire instructors, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to um, get out there and go to the very best classes. We need to understand our strengths and weaknesses. Just because you're a a fire instructor doesn't mean you need to be teaching a specific topic, right? So we have state-run fire colleges, state-run fire academies. We have other uh, training academies out there where they're, they're just scheduling people based on bodies. And that person gets thrown into... Uh, teaching something because that's what's on the schedule and that's what they're they're waiting there to do. well we're good because we've got Josh oh teaching whatever it is victim you know victim or search doesn't mean that person because they're a higher instructor is good at teaching that topic have to hold ourselves at a higher standard we have to pull upon the very best to be the very best you don't want you know somebody that's an amateur at a specific topic teaching somebody that's going to come in find your right you have a fire we need to really focus on who is the very best build upon that teaching structure those dynamics like i talked about earlier with focusing on the basics focus on the mission oftentimes we get over complicated our training right we don't focus on the basics or we think this new trick or this new this new thing, or if we do this fancy, whatever it is, absolutely, we're going we're gonna to get success. But really, at the end of the day, it's about the mission. The mission is about life safety. It doesn't fucking matter what we're doing. If we're doing, we focus on that mission right there, life safety, right? Find those people in a real fire, help those people in a real emergency situation. Everything else gets better. We do that right. If we do that right. 
And in, the, in my opinion, if we keep that basic and build upon those basics and do those efficiencies clear and concise, not overcomplicate, we have a lot of success. Usually, mo- oftentimes, we hit roadblocks and we become unsuccessful and we overcome. And we, we miss the focus on, on either the mission or the task. Now, breaking that down into dynamics as a training instructor, and we have to we have to build programs where we're teaching fundamentals that are built just like we do jiu-jitsu. And jiu-jitsu, if you go to a jiu-jitsu class, you, you know this, you do jiu-jitsu. If we go to jiu-jitsu class, they teach a topic, and that is a that is a submission, an escape, and a reverse, right? Those are three pivots. And then the next time you come to class, the very next class is built upon the next series built off of that series. Okay? So they're all chainable techniques. If we if we share that in the fire service and grab upon that and we start building, taking any discipline you're teaching, it can be auto-extrication. It can be post-stretching. Whatever it is, if we start building chainable techniques and we start from the very basics and always build upon it and chain the next series and chain the next series, we become a highly proficient, highly adaptable, rethinking firefighter. Love um, that, man. I love yeah. the three thinking it's, part. It's, it's becoming so robotic in some of our training. And I'm not saying this from you know, this might, that might piss a lot of people off, but as a, as a general rule of thumb, if you're not going to some of the higher in classes, the, the, the high, you know, nationally recognized instructor classes, or, you know, there's some good fire instructors uh, at fire departments that are doing it well, but the average fire department is busy. So when you, when you guys are at lunch and you want to say, let's go do training, and you're at lunch and you're like, okay, after after lunch, let's just go do this training. And somebody picks a topic. Okay, we're, we're sitting there eating our BLT sandwiches, right? Tater right. tots. That's a staple in the damn fire service, right? right? Which I love. But they're like, hey, I'm, I'm chef, I'm stuffing my face. Let's do forcible entry. On a whim, if we don't plan that, build in those structures, just because your training doesn't mean you're growing. Is right. my point. Right. No, just because you, you put in through, reps, right. You can run through shitty reps and not have any structure at all and create training. Training scars are hard to get rid of. They're hard to get rid of. And a lot of fire departments, and susceptible to it, everybody's susceptible to it, is those training scars. It's it's that lack of structure it's that let's go train let's feel like we're doing something but then we're taking runs and we come back and we just go right back to it but there's no structure and and at the end of the day you start losing focus on that mission right and you start losing focus on those basics and then somebody says hey let's do this and let's do this and then we go down a rabbit hole of a bunch of shit right so just because we train doesn't mean we did anything in fact, sometimes crappy city training makes us worse. Right. No, I love that. I, dude, I, I, I just read Peak, uh, The Science of uh, 
expertise, I think is I'm, I'm quoting, but it fascinated me, the deliberate practice. It talked about deliberate practice and it really made a really good analogy of when you first start driving a car, you know, you're all like super tense, everything you do, you know, that unconscious incompetence or that conscious incompetence where you're like, okay, I got to hit the blinker now. You know what I'm saying? And every, and then you get to a point after you've driven for a couple months where you're just, you know, you're driving home and you don't even remember driving, making yeah. any decisions. But just because you're doing that every day doesn't mean you're getting better at driving. Absolutely. You know? And it was yeah. really cool. Eye-opening things. He's like, you know, unless you're deliberately trying to get better, reps does not make you better unless you are putting in reps to get better. And, at a con- and, and, and it, to kind of add to what you're saying, that's at a conscious level. We have to be conscious at a conscious level of our of our training. You know, we do a lot of things on autopilot because we're deprived, taking a lot of runs, you know, whatever the case is. Complacent, yeah, whatever it is, yes. Yeah, whatever it is, there's there's a lot of stressors in our personal lives. All that shit compounds, and then you're at the firehouse, and, you know, you're doing training that has no structure, and it's on an unconscious level. You're just going through the motions, and just because you stamp that and checkmark that for the day doesn't mean you got better right. at all. Right. No, you have to hit, you have to establish benchmarks. You have to, those benchmarks should be at the end of the, at the end of the equation uh, out here is the mission, right? How do we get to, how do we get from here to that, that accomplishing that mission? Everything, everywhere in between has to be structured. If we don't have structure between here and here, what are we doing? Right. You know, as a, as a, to equate that from the beginning of this conversation as a professional fighter in a gym, they come in and this happens in every fire department across the nation. Our training becomes this. We think if we break down a, everybody want, when I do classes, more fire, we want more fire. We want more, more reps, right? right. That's, that's the often the most answered uh, answer on our, on our, uh, you know, evals, yeah. Evals yeah. is we want more reps. We want more live fire. We want more all-encompassing evolution. But what happens is all-encompassing evolutions, live fire, and putting multiple disciplines together creates uh, it creates a a uh, firefighter or a fighter uh, to be um, sloppy in, in the best because you're not breaking down each discipline are there are there times where you need to put everything together absolutely but as a professional fighter they go in the gym and they do footwork then they do shadow boxing then they do sparring so that all-encompassing live fire training that we're doing is sparring right it has to be done under uh specific guidance with specific tasks and, and accomplishments at hand when you spar in, in real fighting as a professional, you're not sparring to win. You have goals you're accomplishing. Those goals can be defense. They can be offense. They can be they can be specific uh, discipline items that are breaking down those minute efficiencies and the basics. They're not just going out there to beat that person. Sparring. So how we equate that to live fire training is – you're not going out there doing everything all at once every time because you'll just be sloppy because you're not breaking down each discipline and you don't have a focus on the basics of what you're trying to accomplish. If you, if you set out to say, okay, our accomplishment today is forcing the door efficiently to get to the fire. 
and then maybe we structure in some some basic and advanced search dynamics after that we focus that's what we're going to focus on even though there's live fire avenues right live wow. fire training that's going to tighten up our our um structure and our our techniques immensely if we go from okay chef you're you're forcing a door you're stretching a line you're putting a fire out and you're searching off the line right then you're grabbing a victim you're removing a victim and all oh, by the way we might throw a mini in that that's too much that's where we get in but firefighters love that shit right right so that's right. where we get into that sloppiness because we're doing too much at one time we should be doing some of that but we have to break it down into pieces no, no, especially set them up for success when they do get it thrown at them. When exactly, they set them up for success. Yeah, Absolutely. when you throw the whole skillet at them and all the eggs and all the omelet, man, and then they then they can actually be set up for success. No, and I was going to bring, like, uh, Aaron Fields is the one who breaks down Posner, and, and Vaughn Brown actually mentioned it in the comments here, the cognitive, associative, and autonomous phases of learning, man, and, that, and uh, I heard it as 70, 20, 10, and he has it as 75, 10, and 15, but uh, 100%, man, that's what it's all about. you got to get through that. Uh, initial cognitive phase and then get and build into the others and we waste or we think we need to spend so much time in that practice like we play or that full on full pads helmet you know full pads scrimmage no we need to be like doing the walkthrough first so we understand when we get to the scrimmage absolutely no, I absolutely love that. Okay, I have a couple questions I want to throw at you because I really love them. Jordan Smith said, Todd, how do you differentiate overcomplicating things training versus teaching and getting into the details what's up jordan i worked with him okay. uh, yeah uh jordan's a jiu-jitsu uh, guy to um read the question again so i can break it down how do you differentiate between overcomplicating things versus teaching and getting into the details so basically getting into the weeds versus keeping it simple like how do you make that breakdown uh i don't know if i can ask the question better jordan you might give me better clarification if you're if you're no, I, I get the question, but uh, it's it's honestly teaching the the how with the why in a systematic approach. So we take it in little bites. So we're building off those again, those building blocks of the basics. We're we're not jumping ahead and showing a drop bar uh, forcible entry technique before we've taught all the the uh, advancements of each leverage one of the tool and broke down. Uh, inward versus outward opening conventional forceful entry standardized you standardize all those basic elements you build those basic elements and you really fit those efficiencies of all the details meaning if you ads roll a two inch ads on a 30 inch bar you're getting 15 to 1 leverage the the student needs to know that not be just shown this is how you get the ads in and you roll the tool you just teach them that with a lot, which a lot of instructors do, is just get the ads in and you do this technique right. But you're not you're not teaching that why of why that's the most powerful leverage point of that tool, and then you build upon that leverage point and keep it simple. If you if you gain success, let's say what we're talking about now, an ads roll. You you know if you ads roll the, the a door that has more than one lock that's flexible most doors are you know you're going to get a gap and but what happens is you're going to run into another lock and the door is not just going to open like a basic prop so we need to capture we we teach them capture and chase the most dominant lock still holding on now we've 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 accomplished our task of 
beating that initial lock. So let's focus on reading the door and reading that lock. Now capture and do the same technique again, closer to the next lock. Now we capture again if we don't get full success and maybe we do a pivot and go to four then whatever the case is on that situation. But we're building on, those are very basic techniques. Right. Nothing mind-blowing there, right? But what is happening is, is when you take somebody and you you give them a forcible entry door, whether it's a real door or a training door, and it doesn't just blast open with every single rep, right? Now you're building upon the basics by getting into advanced techniques, getting into that advanced level of chasing locks and okay this is that problem solving that's happening happening with forced entry reading into that and, and and accomplishing that goal but they're still all basic techniques that are chainable like we talked about earlier you're just chaining basable basic no, techniques I love, dude, I, again i love it because it's the repetitiveness of this is is beautiful in its simplicity but also it's in simplicity. its complexity but it sense? also becomes advanced. Yes. Because you're doing it at a, a high efficiency and reading that door. And if we give a a training door to to you know a training company and it's locked high, medium, and low and a drop bar, and the, the beauty of watching basic techniques work and work systematically through that problem solving to accomplish an advanced task is is the beauty in the yeah. farm. Right. And that, that kind of breaks down this question is teaching the basics, giving them the information they need to know without jumping to the next information before they know. Right. Because, because the basic scale. Exactly. You got to scale it. Yeah. To be able to scale your teaching multiples. If you can't teach everybody, then you're going to lose half the class because not everybody's on the same level. You know, you're going to have guys up here. You're going to have guys here. The average fireman is in the middle, right? And then you got, depending on the topic, and then you've got some guys up here, and a lot of them maybe are down here in that discipline of whatever you're teaching. Well, when you start here, you just lost everybody down here, right? You can never get them up. You'll never get them because you didn't bring it back down here. And it's not a long process to do. You're just starting out right here quickly. Give them some of those basics. And then you build them quickly right up to the top. I love it, man. Good stuff, man. Uh, this other one, Tom Hollick is throwing this at you. He said, Todd, how do we get away from this concept with academies that are for profit? How do we get to the point of teaching the correct way where we aren't reteaching them straight out of the academies? Um, for profit academies. Um that's a touchy, touchy question because they're obviously everywhere. And, uh, you know, what I would say to that is there's a stone's throw virtually any class you want to go to, right? You don't have to go to that academy. Okay. Now, if you're, if you're at that academy as an instructor, uh, you know, I've left, I've left academies that I've worked for, you know, for moral reasons kind of regarding that. So if, if we're only teaching what the textbooks are telling us and we don't have any free thinking or any professionalism to say, Hey, this is, you know, this is the content we obviously teach. We have to an FPA and other standards, but if we can't, if we can't branch upon that, maybe you're teaching for the wrong 
you know, wrong entity, or maybe you're taking clients from the wrong entity. But, you know, you you can go anywhere in this country now with the resource you have and find legitimate ownership and armanship anywhere. Uh, I don't know if we're going to win that battle as far as, like, wholeheartedly, like, yeah, let's, let's you know, take those those entities down. Um, that's a losing battle. I'd say focus your energy on fo- – take your energy of that and focus it on where it's working, the grassroots, the, the boutique trainings, the, the national instructors that are doing great things, and, and focus your energy there. Do that pivot, you know. I like it. All right. Right in – like you are the uh, lead designer, fabricator, lead instructor, utilizing realistic training props, man. How important is it when we're talking about all these basics and, and teaching people from the ground up and scaling and all that stuff, utilizing realistic training props, go. A lot of training props are designed for two things. Well, the main thing, if they're a business profit, is scalability. And their scalability is how do we build a prop that's the cheapest profit right whatever you did earlier to adjust your computer do it again because i'm losing your sound again can you hear me yep okay so a lot of a lot of uh prop builders if they're in business obviously business wise they want to make a profit so what you see happening across all props is the scalability to build a prop efficiently but for profit they're not taking the the task at hand, let's say forceful entry doors, for instance, they're not breaking down every technique of forceful entry and saying, how can we allow the user to do it correctly? They're giving you a door that simulates a door, but then what they're doing is reverse engineering it in a sense for profits. We do the opposite where Everything I build is I take every fourth winter, every problem I'm making, and say, how do we do it right as a fire department, as a firefighter? And I, I engineer that in first. If I can't accomplish that design to the end and allow them to do everything correctly, then that prop doesn't. So a lot of props, you know, they lose focus on the mission. They do. They, they Their focus becomes off the mission profits and when it happens they're they're it goes down they're they're uh whether you know their efficiency what they're providing and what it's intended for and we have to we have to recognize on props and on training videos uh content this this uh this world is awesome with everything that's at our finger right right we can look up anything yes so you can look up Anything on YouTube, you can look up anything anywhere or on a podcast, uh, you know, on the internet. You can what you have to what you have to do is sort through what you're seeing and realize the BS of what what's real. Because you can watch a training video and it can look fancy, but at the end of the day, if you know your shit and you dissect it, you can break down some videos and go, "That's all fluff." Right or that prop isn't providing the right technique. So if we train on techniques on on techniques on props that are uh, inferior that aren't allowing us to do it correctly or allowing us to do a whole system again systematic 
we can't chain techniques together and do them right. What's the purpose? What it, you know, what it does creates um, pink scars. Right. That reinforces the Which are even harder to get rid of. It's like gaining 100 pounds and then saying you got to lose. We all know losing weight's hard, harder than maintaining, right? So once you build those training scars, it's so hard to get rid of, you know? So looking at a, a training prop, using a training prop, hopping for a training prop, I'm not in here on here. Honestly, I'm not that guy of my stuff. Um, look at training props. A lot of great ones out there. A lot of bad ones. Look at the overall mission. Does it allow you to do things correctly? Break down what you're buying it for, whether it's a bent prop, whether it's a training building. Is is a training building you're buying have a realistic layout? It, if it doesn't have a realistic layout, then why are you buying it? It doesn't allow you to do a, a force a door correctly, and you've got to do this other prop, do this motion to do, you know what I mean? There's props that are like, oh, you can't do this on this prop, but by this other prop, you do this motion here. You can't do it over here to force the door. What's the purpose? Right. I love it, man. Love way to evaluate. Career development without promotion. So is this yes. about becoming the senior man? Is that what you're talking about here? Or what are you saying? Well, it is. It's a little bit of everything. You know, okay. I built my career on never being pro- promoted. Um, never had any. Certainly, certainly this is not an attack on officers at all. You're, you're an officer. A lot of people watching are. Um, my opinion of this is that whole, just because you're eligible to apply and test for promotion doesn't mean. Now, again, it goes back to the conversation earlier with any of your weaknesses. I hate paperwork. I'm not a paperwork dude. I'm not your dude with that. Right. So I was perfectly happy with riding back step on truck and doing regular regular shit so i understood that that's that's my wheelhouse i think a lot of guys lose lose focus of that and there's a lot of great guys that are officers you know i've had the privilege of working for some really good officers and some really great got with some really great guys and some really great officers and i've had the privilege of uh, and every every person in the fire service can say the same thing. Right. Um, and that focus becomes, hey, whatever that is at your fire department, oh, I have five years, I can I can test for it doesn't mean you should test for lieutenant. If we're holding our standards high, you kind of have to look in the mirror, say, should I be a lieutenant? Can I be a lieutenant? Can I can I do X, Y, and Z efficiently? and lead guys. Do I know my job? And at the end of the day, promotion is about the mission and not about college degrees, not about this white collar movement. A lot of fire departments, right. collar job. And if you can't do the job good, if you cannot lead men and do the job good, it should be period. That pisses. No, it's fair. That's very, very fair. All right. Uh, Daniel Nelms, one of the Nelms brothers, asks, what's the next prop you've got coming, Shep? The Alpha Door is one of the best on the market. The Apex prop looks stellar. What's coming next? What's up, Daniel? Um, good buddy of mine. Uh, we have we have a um, 
Well, we just brought out our Apex roof cut prop. Um, that's a new one. It's, it's, it's pretty popular. It's, it's, it's starting to take off. That's a roof prop that goes from flat to anywhere in between all the way to 16, 12 pitch. It also, when it's flat, it becomes a roof system. You can attach a uh, window to door conversion prop on. So now you can work uh, window to door conversion with floor cutouts for grade rescue. Um, then when you take that off, off roof cut prop, um, it's modular. All of our stuff is where I think we're the innovators of that market. Um, we have a modular uh, breakdownable uh, hose bed prop coming out soon. That's another one. And then, of course, our ongoing uh, training buildings that we're building all over the country. Uh, those are modular. Those are really um, really. Do your do your computer one more time because I'm losing your voice again. I don't know what's doing it, but I don't know either because I'm not moving. Every time uh, you adjust, it works again for a little bit. So you said you said I was the easiest one of the easiest uh, sound sound uh, setups, and here I am screwing it up. I got one coming at you from Kai Rom. Kyle Romiga says, how much does the Alpha Door cost? I don't know if that's an easy answer or not. And I don't even know if you want to touch it, but I'm still throwing it at you. You know, I I always it's weird. I I, I typically used to tread lightly on on pricing. I don't know why. Um, I'm not a I'm not a sales guy. I'm not right. a guy on here pitching my my shit. Um, the the Alpha Door it can range from eighty seven hundred to eleven five on the market um again that's i highly respect kyle um great question but i'm not uh, fair um, enough no no but it's a good he sent it and i wanted to know he said where can we get it obviously yeah. forge fire and company yes yeah contact me we have we have distributors being set up right now as we speak for regions um because it's popular uh so Get a hold of me, and I get you in in, in the market with uh, reps uh, to uh, take care. of Nice, perfect. All right, I always like to throw book or books that you think firefighters should be reading. So, mm-hmm. well, um, my wife's an avid reader. She reads a hundred books a year or more. I am not. I'm the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> but a couple books I, I do read, which I've read this one twice and I'm still learning from it is, uh, is, and every time I read it, I say it I, again, extreme ownership. Okay, I've okay. read it. I've read it twice. Extreme ownership. And I, every time I read it, I've read it twice and I still can't comprehend all of it as far as it, how in depth it is and how mind blowing it is for me. Um, it's cliche it's been been around and a lot of people have been been pushing it and and referencing it referencing it i wish i had something more exotic but you can't go wrong with jocko willink and it was um, solid very solid no he's, it's it's solid he's I, the one I, who got me into jujitsu actually it is yep. a lot of people you know um a couple things i really took from it was i got my notes here i'm looking at go. uh the you know, there's no bad teams. There's only bad leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, prioritize and execute. Yes, and and then also, uh, which is a lot of what we talked about today on, on this podcast. And then discipline equals freedom. Mm-hmm. I've lived my life 
regarding that. I've worked many shitty jobs for firemen. I've worked my ass off as a fireman. I've worked my ass off to get where I'm at. And honestly, I can equate that and resonate with disciplining. You know, I was the guy that was getting up, working out at 3.45 a.m. Did that for years. And, and I've, I've kind of lived by a lot of the things he wrote, so it resonated with me. Um, and then, obviously, he's a much smarter guy than me to break it all down. Uh, but highly recommend that book. If you haven't read it, I'm sure most people will Dude, I love the book. Uh, it's my uh, number one. Whenever anybody asks me, what's if I'm going to read one leadership book, what is it? And I always tell them Extreme Ownership. Not because I think it's the best. But if you're just going to read one, I think it has the best principles that apply. If you're just going to read one, I really, really love the book. Mm -hmm. So I love that answer. Okay, here we go. We Mm -hmm. have a thing we do on the weekly scrap. It is the five questions for firefighters, which is now the next five questions for firefighters, which will soon probably become the I don't know what. But Todd Shepard, are you ready for the next five questions for firefighters? Absolutely. The answers are completely arbitrary. There is no right or wrong. The points are, well, the points are what they are. So, 100%. Here we go. Question number one. Those are my favorite questions. <laughs> and, and, and the audience has to help me score, so I count on them to say whether it's max points or not. What single characteristic makes the difference between a run-of-the-mill firefighter and the top-tier go-to badass firefighter? I couldn't single it down to one, but there's two for me that resonate with me. I have a consistency. So I think, again, this whole podcast is derived upon the professionalism of the fire service equated to some of my background with professionalism of fighting and, and professional sport. I've where. If you become a student of the game and always be a student of the game and have that drive and then have that consistency to have that drive, you're going to be successful. Um, that, that's how I break. I, I think those two are very powerful. So, you know, I've, I've always, you know, prided myself on having a ton of drive and then on top of that, consistency. You know, consistency to learn, and that drive and that hunger to learn. You know, uh, get out there, get outside your bubble, and and go to classes you haven't gone to, and 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 strive to kind of work on your weaknesses and have some drive. You can never learn ever in the fire service, just like you did too, and a lot of other things. You can never learn everything there is. So if you if you keep that hunger, that drive, and then create some consistency, you know you're. Yeah, I love it, and and it's sad, not sad. It's it's. Uh, I've been doing this thing in the the vigilantes forum where I asked them a question. I was like, consistency over intensity, and this is this concept I've been wrestling with. You know, because I love mm-hmm. I love how you can get fired up, motivated, passionate, intense about something mm-hmm. you know, for for a short burst. But it's that consistency that wins out over time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I absolutely love that answer. I give max points uh, for anybody Good. who says consistency. And I love the fact that you tied it into drive, man, because it, it, it's – it's uh, yeah, thank you, Smooth. I, 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 don't think, I don't think you can have one without the other, you know. 
a consistency without drive. I mean, that's kind of what I talked about earlier in the podcast is training without, without the mission. You can, you can certainly train and have consistency, but if you don't train with purpose and drive and have that mission first uh, attitude and, and, and have a common goal that you're driving everybody to and meet that goal with professionalism, what is the purpose of consistency? And then vice versa, you know, you know, drive, you have to have, I mean, we're, we're tasked with emergency, you know, the people that are saying, ah, I know this, this one good and sitting in the recliner or, or slacking, or I'm, I'm good. I don't want to do training or whatever it is. How can you say that when people are calling 911 and there's kids at kids at, you know, on the other line, on the other end for us, I'm safe. I mean, how, how can you live with yourself with that? So that drive, that hunger keeps you saying, basically for me, my opinion, I was never good enough. Right. You know, I'm being, I'm being a little, I'm being, you know, a little, uh, open here where I've always lived my life and my career where I've been like, you know, I'm never good. enough. I need to get better. I need to keep keep pushing. There's somebody else training harder. There's somebody going to rely on me, call. And I, I'm going to be tasked with that difficult situation. I don't want to fail. Right. I want to fail that person, and I need to be humble, and I need to just look myself in the mirror and go. Love it, man. <laughs> Number two, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice as a rookie, what would it be? Honestly, for me, there's a lot of a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways I can go with this question. It's a difficult one. I think uh, listen to the older guys, the positive ones, um, and, and work smarter, not harder. For me, that's my personal situation. And I mean, the positive ones. There's a lot of older guys out there. Every fire department has those angry guys, like positive ones that were trying to give you advice when you first started as rookie and you're super young and dumb and you're like whatever old guy I got whatever it, right? yeah. i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep lifting more weights and you know blah 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 i'm gonna i'll get it right but like then these same guys that are 40 you know 50 years old at the time and i'm 24 25 years old are getting a better time on me on my physicality test i'm busting my ass because efficiency and technique smarter harder and then i originally in my early career was like work harder work harder i'll get better if i work harder now there's there's pros and cons of that right i heard a i heard a statement early in my career which i still sit with and still um still side with as if you don't know the technique or if you don't know the job well you don't know the intricacies you might as well be strong right one one older guy told me that and it always resonated with me right so you get experience you're gonna be young and dumb you might as well be strong right, right? i like that I actually like well, that that's actually what he said to me so that always resonated with me right until i got my experience was you're gonna be young and dumb you might as well be strong so hey all right i can do that so i get that experience so and the cool that, part is is once you actually get that experience and get a little bit of the smarts Strong yeah. still doesn't hurt, you know. Doesn't it? Doesn't hurt. It's yeah. just 
what happens is, is once you get strong, you got to learn to tone it down and work on technique and work on efficiencies and being smart, working smarter and creating that technique. And I kind of struggled with initially early in my career. No, and I think a lot of people, when they hear work harder or work smarter, not harder, they think, you know, be lazy, don't work hard. But, yeah. the, but they're missing the point of work at the beginning. Oh. It's it's work smarter, not harder. You know, they, you can't throw out the work. You got You got to put in the work. Yeah, it's that whole consistency thing. Dude, the, I love the it. question Again, before. You tied you right got, into the first one, so you get max points absolutely. on number two. Yeah. What is your – we talked a lot about forcible entry, so I, I'm anxious to see what your answer is. But what is your favorite training drill? Honestly, it's surprisingly not forceful entry, okay. uh, even though it's on the top of the list and would have been a couple of years ago. And I love forceful entry, all things thereof. But, uh, you know, victim removal and firefighter survival and writ are my, my jam, man. I think in the fire service, if anything goes wrong, if anything were to go wrong, goes wrong. And at the end of the day, our biggest... Um, you know, fear is trying to save ourselves, save our own, or that happening in training to potential. So I'm always open, open-minded in training to getting people out that, that mission first of getting that life safe, getting people out, getting myself out, getting other firefighters out in those scenarios. I think there hasn't been a ton of experience with a lot of people this realm because so far and few mean there's right. a lot of things going now that are really changing the game with with you know statistics and people tracking and uh, you know our grabs and, and efficiencies on that that's great then firefighter survival and rescue we all learn from that but that that's a that's a that's a, a very um touchy situation for a lot of fire departments and it's a very task heavy and and I don't think a lot of fire departments would be successful in their current training doing that real situation. Right. What I do is I I feel like and, and I, I I put myself in that group. So I've never been tapped. I train heavy on that because I don't want to happen. I don't want that to happen and I can't prepare. So I think, you know, that's my favorite, my opinion. I, I really focus on that heavily. It's one of my passions. You know, uh, one of my mentors, he's, he's retired from CFD, uh, J.D. Vassbinder from Columbus Fire Department. He told me one time, and it resonated with me, uh, he's had one of the few live fire uh, rescues from one of his guys that went down in a basement fire. They rescued him. Um, he lived a great story he told me if a fire instructor tells you do it this way every time it's going to work every time this way punch him in the face leave. <laughs> now, uh, it's funny right and he you know he's making his point he's making his point but from a person that's lived it uh i resonate with that from how i live my life um from somebody who's done it um so you know he has merit in the backstory of what he's saying with that. Uh, so not everything works every single time and we have to get above that. And what I mean by that is like, 
you know, training drills related to that and any other task, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be open-minded. We have to train for potential and realism. And right. we do those things and not just train for um, what somebody else showed us. If you go to if you go to a legitimate training class across the nation with legitimate instructors, you're going to learn a ton. And it's different than learning with Joe Schmo, who says, "Hey, let me show you this this right. uh, this trick." Right. Um, no, and I love it because you tied right back into what what we started this whole podcast with those realistic training dynamics and the basics. You do. Yeah. yeah. No, it, I love it, man. Max points. You're crushing it. Number four is what mistake. Has Todd Shepard learned the most from in his fire service career? Um, for me, it's been um, being afraid to fail. Uh, for a long time, I've I've been afraid to fail. Um, it kind of held me back as a young adult. Uh, we, as a fire service, don't getting a lot better. We we uh, are really grassrooting this this. Uh, endeavor of training rookies training them right but we've created years ago and still ongoing we've created an epidemic where you know we expect a rookie to know everything out of fire school and if they don't do everything right fuck that guy and he's no good we aren't really a lot of fire departments aren't really molding that person and so what happens is is we we bust balls or we go further than that and we treat rookies like trash and we break them down. And if you break somebody down um, in spirit, you can't build them back up. You have to keep their, you have to keep their focus. You have to keep their, their uh, positivity and their training and, and keep them going up. And if we don't do that, they're going to go. And that's me being pers- very personal. I've had that happen in my career where I was like, you know, I want to go to this training because I want to look stupid or I don't want to do this task because I'm, I'm going to fail. it, And we are going to grow to overcome that. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to say, fuck it. And say, I'm willing to learn for them, right? Not for what people think. Just do it. I love it. I absolutely love it. So, final question is, heavy fire, searchable space, would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? All day, every day, first in on VES. I'm not a a nozzle guy. Um, I like that endeavor of trying to search a searchable space and and push upon those... um, those endeavors as far as high high fire and searchable space and using my size up and my my uh expertise in um size up live fire layout and all those factors to accomplish that task i'm not a engine i love it i absolutely love the ves answer there you go you absolutely crushed the next five questions for firefighters absolutely crushed scrap number 148 and that officially makes it 148 scraps in the books todd shepherd if someone wants to get a hold of you for more info how can they go about doing that uh they can they can get a hold of us at uh forgefirecompany.com or um email me todd at forgefirecompany 
Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah. My housekeeping time. Go to firehousevigilance.com. Everything is in stock from coins to books to T-shirts to hats. Get them if you want them. The Vigilantes is live. Guys, I'm really excited about the Vigilantes. I'm having a ton of fun with it. Uh, I'm having great conversations. It's a private group that uh, you can join at the Vigilantes. We basically we go live once a month. We discuss books. Uh, this week we're talking about electrical vehicle fires, and uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, so we're actually figuring it out together. That's the fun part about it because it's not really we're, – we're kind of building it as we go. So if you want to be a part of that, go to firehousevigilance.com, be a part of it. Um, this weekend, I will be at Revolutionary Fire Tactics at the Lake on Saturday evening and Sunday. I hope if you're going to be there, you will catch me. We can get pictures. We can discuss stuff, whatever you got. Um, there's that. Then it's none other. Texas owned Tom Hollick. Next week, he is on the scrap, episode 149, followed by episode 150. Um, he was on episode 100, so he's coming back for 150. That's Kurt Isaacson. He's coming live from the dock to po- talk about people and water and the priorities of where we place things, etc. It's going to be exciting, not to mention all the changes coming to CF Tactics. Uh, he's one of the biggest supporters of the scrap, so I love supporting him right back. And then... Following that, man, check out this lineup. If I can read it here in the darkness, you've got Kurt Isaacson, then Rick George, then Kyle Romagus, then Mark Von Oppen, then Bill Gustin, and then Devin Craig. So that's like the 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 tail end of July into August. So how awesome is that lineup? Uh, I'm pretty, lineup. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, yeah, heavy my bro- <laughs> It's going to be good times. My brother, Todd Shepard, thank you for being an awesome guest. Oh, thank you. To Kyle, thank you for curating the questions. To the audience, thank you for asking the questions. Uh, Without you, the scrap would be nothing. Uh, Remember, mutts do not scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.